Bobby Marks on the offseason. ESPN front office insider has his offseason guides on ESPN Plus, a great resource. And now he's on Round Ball Roundup with UtahJazz.com. I'm JP Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, equal housing lender. Been a while. So, good to have Bobby on the podcast to go over the offseason. What are the options available? What's going on? And then, as go deeper, there are 48 days until the draft right now on May 5th, 2023. 48 days left. Next podcast, I'll have my evals on these guys. I'm famished, so hungry this time of year, so eating tape perfectly aligns with the way that I live my lifestyle. I love the fit. It's a great match of player and scheme. I'll go through it. The prospects at the top of the board, because since I've been covering this team, I was looking back at my end-of-season stuff that I have for previous Jazz teams, and the picks all in the 20s, the first available pick that they could trade, 2026. Those teams went for it. And the draft wasn't a huge deal. It was more of the bargain shopping, build around the fringes. This team, now, it's about the draft. It's about building through the draft. And having a lottery pick gives you a chance to find starters, good players, rotation pieces. And I'm speaking from a point right now where I think that the pick's at nine, and it can always jump up. That's why the lottery happens. Lottery's going to be in a couple weeks. They could have a top four pick. Could have the top pick. 4% chance at that. But it's possible. You're saying there's a chance? That's what it's about. Getting to the draft. And frankly, there will be some off-ball podcasts of fans of basketball who still have their teams in the tournament right now, in the playoffs. So I'll catch up with them as well. It'll be a lot this offseason. But evaluating the draft, I can't wait. Three picks. Three of them. And I've got you covered with our Jazz Draft podcast. Five stars. Nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. It's Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Bobby Marks. Let's catch up with him. It's a rundown of what happened this season, what could happen between now and free agency, and since I'm a sicko, I asked about the CBA. Collective bargaining agreement, their new details, how does it help the Jazz, how does it hurt high-spending teams. This one's for the CBA sickos as well. It's Bobby Marks on Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com.
certainly they, they exceeded expectations. I mean, anytime you trade, uh, you know, your two all your two pillars and Donovan Rudy, then you traded Boyan in uh, September, Mike in February at the trade deadline, especially the first three guys I mentioned, you're, you're thinking a 21 team right out the year. Hopefully guys get better individually. Um, and I think it kind of worked the other way where, um, guys guys got definitely better i think you established some type of identity under under will hardy um laurie had a terrific year um guys still played for something after the all-star break um they were still playoff positioning they were the younger players whether it be marketing or or uh, kessler um played uh you know for you know there was an opportunity to get into playing or even the playoffs here um uh, you still have a lottery pick um, you know, I mean, you still have that, that golden opportunity to maybe jump into number one or number two here. Um, so all in all, um, I think the, the, I think the, I think the foundation, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I think the foundation is in better shape now, uh, of the organization compared to a year ago when you made the playoffs or even maybe two years ago when you, you know, you lost, uh, that was the year, I think you lost to the, to the clips, um, you know, in, in the second round here, just because you have a, you got the flexibility to basically shape the roster any way you want. Um, the tra- the draft capitals out the out the roof as far as what you have in picks, and a, a lot of them are coming in the future. You've got three number ones. Um, you've got you know you know coach and Will and Quinn did a great job here, but you know kind of a different different personality here. Um, so I would say all in all, considering like you exceeded expectations. Now here's the hard part, right? Like what's next? Like everybody always says like, what's next? Like um, the people are saying that about Sacramento right now, like, all right, you know, Hey, we were, you know, the three seed, like what's next. Can we win 50 games? And that always is the hard part is getting to that, um, getting to that next level there as far as where, um, for where Utah was. But I just thought, and we, we talked last year after the off season, you basically kind of hit a dead end, you know, you kind of just hit like, what's the upside of this roster. You were going to be a luxury tax team. Didn't have any draft pick draft capital here and eventually you'd you would had to you were going to have to pivot eventually here and 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 they did that last year how much did those positive habits of competing for a playoff spot go a long way for will hardy and this roster going forward into this year well i think they have an advantage um over some of the teams that are in the lottery the, the top of the lottery whether it be um detroit um houston Charlotte, um, even Portland to an extent. I know that some of those trailblazers, certainly Damien have been in big moments before, but um, some of those teams are basically kind of playing out the string. I mean, they're kind of um, uh, Utah is similar to what Orlando went through this year. You know, Orlando kind of, you know, what Oklahoma city went through a year ago, you know, with, with you know, this year, like you just, you play, um, you play the goal is to play meaningful games, right. To put your players in, and, you know, I look back at that, um, that Laker game, right. At, at the end of the year where you basically had THT running point guard, uh, for a, a chunk of games towards the end, you had, um, some of your players or your key guys are out. Um, you kind of had a little bit of a makeshift lineup, but man, that lineup competed, right? Like, um, you go to overtime, you push that team here. And even, even though you lost, you're, you're, it's situational basketball, right? Situational basketball as far as having the ball, you know, end of game, chance to tie, um, and like th- stuff like that is, um, you know, is is immeasurable. It goes a long way for Taylor Horton Tucker, who 
probably hasn't closed games in his entire career before then. Those moments are huge in the development of any player being able to play at the end of a a game rather than the 45 minutes before. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, even look at, I mean, Chris Dunn, who was a lottery pick at one time, um, you know, who's in Chicago for a while and is, you know, he's under contract for next season on a non-guarantee, but he's compete. I mean, he's competing for a job. Right. And so he's in a position, you know, there's these, we call them like those second chance players, right? Like everyone always wants to discard lottery picks who don't pan out, you know, or maybe, may need to find the right team to be on. Maybe there's some stability like there is in Utah right now. And um, to put Chris in, in, you know, in that type of moment, um, you know, that goes, um, that goes a long way, even for Will and the staff. Like, you know, I know Will was in Boston and, you know, that team goes to an, an NBA finals last year, but to be the head, you know, I always say there's a difference from being the head guy and then the assistant, right? One seat over is a little bit warmer, um, and it's in its different situations here. So where he can take things that he's learned, um, you know, with this uh, with, with this group. And I think I think, you know, it, it'll be interesting as far as, you know, like it was this year is all about trans a transition year and, and going into next year. You know, what are the steps that, you know, this organization organization takes with draft picks? They got three first. You know, would you keep them all? Do you look to, to package things? They've got some flexibility. First time they've had financial flexibility, I think since 2019. And I think they signed Bowie on that year. And that was different. You know, that was the year I think, um, I think they were, might've been coming off 50 wins. So they were a little more established. So it will be interesting as far as what direction you go with um, some of the money that you have. Um, and then it's another year of, you know, of your own, of your own guys. What is the perception of the jazz's cap space because they have a couple of option guys with tail and horton tucker jordan clarkson very likely to opt out of his because he's looking for another deal what they can do and comparing that to the marketplace where other teams who would also have cap space houston has the most i think they've made it known (laughs) Basically, he said, "We hey, we got a credit card and there's an unlimited budget on it. We're going to spend here. And that's where you get, I've been there before, you get in trouble that way, right? The problem when you have a lot of cap space and you don't get the guys you want is then you're buying like the, the carton of eggs that are usually $2. But like, I'll give you 10 for those, right? Like, no, 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 they're only $2. No, no, I'll give you 10. So I think you have to be careful when you have, we had that in 2000, um, 2010. The LeBron year, LeBron, Bosch, Wade, that group, we, you know, we, the first year that Mikhail Prokhorov on the, or, the team and um, we had all this money, like I think it was 35 million, which back then was a lot of money um, for cap space. And um, we missed out on those guys. And um, I always, I joke, we signed the law firm of outlaw farmer Petro and, you know, it was, you know, Travis outlaw and Jordan farmer and, you know, Johan Petro and, you kind of panic a little bit because you have all this money that you're, you're sitting on here. So I think you have to be careful. So Utah is sitting right around 30. Um, you know, that includes um, including the options of Clarkson and, and THT. And um, certainly that goes up if those guys um, decline their option and, and aren't back. Um, so there's, there's ways that you can still bring two back. Um, certainly I think Jordan's important to this organization. I know he's, one of the older players, uh, although he's, I don't even think he's hit 30, um, is, is he's important to, to this group here as far as a guy that proved that he can start. Um, so, 
Yeah, I mean, you're, there's and there's a lot of different ways to to do to do things with cap space. You can you know you can build up your draft equity, or you can target teams that want to get rid of contracts. Um, we'll see if teams are willing to shed more based on this new CBA and everything here. So um, it's it's a average, you know, you know, you're not going to go out and get Kyrie Irving, right? You're not going to go get James Harden. You're probably not going to get Chris Middleton. You're like, I don't think you're you're in a position right now to, you know, to plop down a, you know, four-year, $140 million. I don't think there's a four-year, $140 million guy out there. I think you can be patient with it. Um, the beauty of it is that you'll still have flexibility um, the following year because you have, um, your books are really aligned um, nicely here. So, um, but yeah, you're kind of, you're looking at you, uh, Houston. Um, it's basically a lot of the same teams from this year. Houston, San Antonio, Detroit. Um, OKC has the opportunity here to have some um, to have some room here. So there's like six or seven um, teams that have pretty good financial flexibility. There's a, a group of you know teams that don't. You know that the 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 Golden States and the Milwaukee's and the Miami's and the Clippers and, and those groups. So they're in a they're in a good spot as far as from a from a money standpoint. And can you explain uh, in your offseason guide, you brought up uh, fully guaranteeing Lowry Markinen's yeah. last year as a gesture of good faith. What does that mean and how does that impact negotiations going forward with the player? I think it's just a nice gesture, right? I mean, let's face it. The contract he's on, he's, he's probably, it's, a, it's one of the probably best team-friendly deals. And I understand why. His con when he did the sign and trade when he went from Chicago to Cleveland, uh, and that involved also I think uh, Portland was involved because Larry Nance was involved, um, who went to um, I think he went to Cleveland in it. Uh, Markinen was a restricted free agent. There was the, the offers out there were there was no one out there willing to come in with an offer sheet here. Um, usually restricted free agency, you're kind of at the mercy of the team, and he was at the mercy of. Um, you know, of, um, of Chicago at the time here. So when you look at, you know, a guy making 18, 19 million in this market coming off an all-star year, um, it's, it's, it's below market. I mean, that's the reality of it here. So, and he's got a partial in that last, um, that last year. So it's really just a nice gesture, right? Like why leave it hanging there? Like guarantee it. Um, you know, uh, the hard part is that, um, the, the extension rules probably didn't help Utah, the new extension rules and um, and marking in here because I was pushing for um, how the how the extension rules are now you can extend for 120 percent off your last year of your contract okay um, the new rules now it goes up to 140 percent so there's a nice little more bump however when you have guys like marketing and OG Ananobi and Dejounte Murray and Sabonis who are you know signed you know team friendly deals the 140% probably doesn't even get you to your value number. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't get there. So you're basically playing out the remaining few years of his, um, the remaining two years of his contract here with the hope that you've done enough around him that he loves playing in Utah. Um, and that when he becomes a, uh, an unrestricted free agent that he's going to want to sign there long-term, like you just have to have that, you know, have to have that belief here. So, um, so yeah, so the, the, the guaranteeing part, I just thought it's a nice gesture to do. I think it says a lot, um, to get rid of the rid of, you know, Hey, he's got, you know, whatever, 36, 37 now guaranteed to him. But as I said, the, the hard part is that you, you're unlikely probably to, you know, um, he's unlikely to sign an extension and has nothing to do with Utah. It's just, it's just where the, the, the new CBA rules are. I push for 
that um, if the goal is to retain your own players, then you should be allowed to extend for the percentage of the salary cap. So similar to like, you know, um, Jalen Brown is going to earn super max this off season. Probably. I mean, he's going to earn all NBA. So he would be allowed to extend for 35, uh, 35% of the salary cap. So for marketing, I thought like, Hey, he should be allowed to extend for, let's say 30%, right. If, if he's hit the years of service here, Nat, you know, that basically gives him, you know, basically Utah and, and both sides of the ability to extend for a full max extension here, but they didn't do it. Um, they increased it a little bit here. So, um, that's the kind of the, the, the cards that Utah is handed. How did the CBA help teams like Utah? I think it helped them a lot. I mean, I think there's a group of teams. Well, here's, here's my analogy of it. Um, I'm going to give you the children's version of it. How's that sound? For anyone who has chil- children out there, young children, my, te- my kids are teenagers, young children out here. I look at the new CBA as uh, 30 children at school, uh, 27 are allowed to go outside and play recess, and there are three in timeout. Golden State, Clippers, Miami. There's probably some more that are going to jo- join them. Um, and the league has basically said, like those teams, you got to get your finances in order, right? You got to get your, you know, you're not, you don't, you're not, you don't have the same rules as the Utah and Orlando and um, in Oklahoma City and stuff like that. I think where it's helped, um, where it's helped teams like Utah is um, there are more flexibilities to acquire player and trades um, as far as the percentage allowed, um, you know, and as far as money coming back in a deal, um, you um, gives you the ability to, uh, there's a second round exception now. Basically, if you draft a player in the second round, you don't have to take out of, you don't have to take money out of your non-tax mid-level. It's a basically a designated number. There's another two-way spot. So now you have three, um, you have three two-way spots. Um, it, it for teams that have a you know a lot of draft picks, draft, develop, retain. These rules are very f- favorable too. I mean, people out there saying, "Wait a minute, it's a hard cap in Utah. If they draft really well, they're going to be penalized, and they they're forced not to keep." That's not true. You know, it's the, the cap's going to go up significantly, and the the luxury tax apron is going to go up significantly and stuff. So um, they're going to have you know they're going to be in a good spot where players are going to want to go be there because. Milwaukee and the Clippers in Utah and in Golden State won't be able to afford certain free agents. So Milwaukee wouldn't have been able to afford Joe Ingles, for example. Um, Golden State wouldn't have been able to afford uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Um, they wouldn't have been able to sign him. Um, so the rules basically it levels the playing field here for um, for mostly all the teams here, and um, we're gonna wait and see how it affects. I mean, I mean. For the other teams, you know, the, so we have this, what we call the second apron, first apron, um, where if you're um, $17.5 million over the luxury tax, the second apron kicks in, right? So for gold, for example, Golden State is a team, they're like $40 million above the second apron. So what that does is that you're not allowed to use your non, you're not allowed to use your tax mid-level exception, right? So that goes out the window here. Um, you can only take back 110% in a, in a trade, it used to be 125. percent um, You can't sign a player bought out of his contract if he earned more. If his original contract was more than the non-tax, so any, basically any player over 10 million dollars. Um, your draft pick, we have the seven-year rule where um, you can only tra- trade a pick within seven years. 
your draft pick on in the seventh year. So basically it would be 2032. If you're in that second apron, 2024, 25 now it becomes frozen and you can't trade it. Um, so Phoenix wouldn't have been able to give Brooklyn probably a fourth first round pick in the Durant trade. Um, you won't be, I mean, it could have hurt. It could have actually impacted Utah a little bit. Well, no, Cleveland and Minnesota were well below the apron. So they were, oh, you're, you know, so you could have still done that done because their trades, finances, yeah. Were, yeah, your, your finances were in good shape. Um, you can, I mean, here's another one. Like if you're in the apron two out of four years, your pick goes to the back of the first round. So if you finish, you know, 10th, you have the 10th pick and you're in the apron two out of four years, that pick goes to maybe number 30 here. So for those big spending teams, it's, it forces you, it forces you to choose here. But when you look at a, a jazz roster that, um, you know, I don't see the day when you're going to have four players on max contracts. Like I don't, I, you know, it would have helped, it would have helped, um, you know, Oklahoma city with, um, probably Durant a few years ago here, uh, I guess maybe five or six years ago, but probably some of these mid market teams, um, it, it gives you just a lot more parity as far as how you can build your roster, just because the rules are, um, more advantageous to you. Well, and if you're the jazz under that previous iteration where you're capped out, you're in the luxury tax, you have no draft picks to see it all come the other way to where now that they have flexibility in the cap, they have so many draft picks. This aids them in how they can build a team going forward with this new CBA. Oh, definitely. I mean, I mean, that's where, it, you know, as I said, it kind of draft, develop, retain. There won't be a, there won't be a market where, and who knows where we are in, in 2025, 2026 here, but you know, the days of, um, you know, if Utah had a player, um, let's say the next Donovan Mitchell and he, uh, he wants to be traded. Well, basically closes the fields of the, 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 the closes the amount of teams that he can go to because, if you're a second apron team, let's say Brooklyn, for example, well, you're not going to be able to go out and get uh, Donovan Mitchell because here's another thing, like you can't aggregate contracts. So if Donovan Mitchell is making 35 million and you're a second apron team, you can't trade a 25 and a $10 million guy like that, that that's now eliminated here. So um, it just, as I said, it, the trade rules are more favorable just because you can take more money back in deals. Um, it eliminates, you know, some of these probably bigger spending teams to c continually add um, payroll. There's no, there's nothing in there where it says that Golden State, Golden State can't bring back Draymond Green, right? There's nothing in there that says that they can't extend Clay Thompson. Like they're not, there's not a hard cap in place. However, it, it there are there are going to be rules that are going to tighten how you add outside of your own, you know, outside of your own players. Wiggins, right, would be the problem there. Yeah, Wiggins would have been. I mean, they would have still been able to do Wiggins, um, you know, in that trade because they, at the time they were, um, they had, I think they were, um, they were under the because um, they did the D'Angelo Russell trade in a sign and trade and still stayed under the hard cap at the time. Um, yeah, Wiggins would have been interesting because I think that year that actually Golden State was under the tax. Um, the the Jordan Poole extension, for example, like you know, like that has teeth to it right jordan pool extension has teeth because of the cost you're basically playing paying a sixth man 30 million dollars per year right mm -hmm. like that's 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 the reality of it. you can retain jordan pool but there's going to be some financial penalties to it um you would not have been able to sign dante divincenzo right like that 
because you would not have had your tax mid-level exception that you signed them to. So you're basically forced to use like the minimum, you know, the minimum on some players. As you look at the draft and, and what the Jazz have with their three first round draft picks, they don't have to use all of them, but what's the information as they go into the combine that they're gathering and trying to figure out in this draft class? I think there's there's probably a couple of different ways you can. I mean, certainly the night of the lottery will determine a lot. I mean, like you get number one, all things change. <laughs> I mean, like all things change, and that's why when I'm writing these off season articles, when I did the, the teams in the lottery, it's hard, right? Like off season priority. Well, shoot, if you get number one, you draft Victor. Like everything, you know, like it it changes a lot, yep. right? You're a contender so now. I think, yeah, I mean, I think kind of where they are right at um, what nine, sixteen, twenty eight, right? Is that the third yep. one? Um, what is not, uh, are you comfortable where you are at nine and 16? Does, what does nine and 16 get you? Can you move that up? If they're like, if you like somebody at five or six, is that too much to do? So you're looking at all different tr- trade options there. Um, I think 28 is probably more in play because let's face it. Your second round kitty is not built. Like you have a ton of first, you don't have a lot of seconds, right? So does, does, um, does that pick become four or five seconds, for example. I mean, we saw at the trade deadline, like like, like uh, Milwaukee traded five seconds for Dre, Jay Crowder, right? So second round picks are available. Um, and it, it's a nice to have, your, it's like basically, you know, um, you know, four quarters that you have to use whenever you need uh, them. So I think, I think the sec- the last pick in there um, is certainly would be in play to see if you can maybe build up your draft assets. Um, uh, you know, usually it's um, you know this this group of players this year is a lot of wings, um, as we've seen you know a lot in the past. Um, you know, it's different than the NFL draft. You know, as far as you're basing based on on um, NFL need, a bit less on um, you know best available here. So, um, but yeah, I mean you're in a you're in you're in a prime spot yourself. Um, Indiana's in a really good spot. Um, Charlotte's in a pretty good spot because they got, a, I think they got three seconds here. Um, but you've got a lot of, a lot of different ways to move. I mean, we've seen, um, you know, this 28 and I don't know, one of your, one of the future ones that you have not, a, not an unprotected Cleveland or Minnesota, you know, there's something, you know, there, does that get you, um, you know, up in the, in the draft, does that get you another player? But man, you have so many more options than you, you know, we, you did it um, a year ago because you were basically, you couldn't trade, you couldn't basically trade a pick a first. You didn't have many seconds here, but it just, it just opens up so many, um, op- uh, you know, so many windows and, and, you know, the pre-draft camps in two weeks here, um, that's really when the chatter starts talking teams were with, are with each other. You get the, an idea of, you know, certainly you get to watch players here, but um a lot, as I said, a lot of different directions you can go with those picks. How did you approach those interviews and how do you try to help draft prospects when they're going into these interviews with teams? Cause it's a job interview. This is where it all starts. Yeah. So that's what my other, my, uh, my second job I've been doing, um, for free. I don't charge. Um, I, I just enjoy doing it. I've already done 30 prospects in the last week. Um, I've got about 40 more next week before the combine starts. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a unique opportunity for me to get to know these players because let's face it, I'm not on the road a lot watching college prospects during the year because of everything else I have to do. So, um, if I can sit down with them for 45 minutes to an hour and help them prepare and learn a lot about them, 
um, off the court and on the court, what makes, you know, what their strengths are and give them some knowledge from when I worked in the Nets front office, as far as what teams are going to be asking, it's beneficial to these guys. It really is. It's kind of an icebreaker. Um, I always tell them not to be, um, I don't want to hear what you want teams want to hear. Like just be yourself, right? Just be yourself, open book about your life, 50 chapters and, um, don't lie. I mean, that's my biggest thing. Just don't lie um, in it here. And, um, you know, certainly what they do on a court is 90% of the battle, right? Like if you can play, you can play. Right. But there also is like, why does Utah want to invest $20 million in a player um, over the next four years? What type of person is he? Um, you know, if he's not playing, is he going to be the pain in my butt um, at the end of the bench? Um, or is he going to be a distraction here? So, that's, you know, kind of, you know, what I've been doing and what I'll do for the next, you know, couple of weeks here is just get these players prepared for when they go to meet with teams in Chicago, because it's a, it's an intimidating process. You know, you walk into a hotel room with a table of team executives that you've never met before. And it's basically rapid fire for 30 minutes. You're basically have a 30 minute timer, um, a little bit more, um, comfortable when you're going to the jazz facility in June, let's say for your you know individual workout with maybe five other players. Cause you have more time, but, um, and it helps me when we get, we get going, you know, for draft coverage, you know, like I can talk about different players as far as what I've, what I've learned about them. And if the player is sliding, wait a minute, no, no, this, I, you know, this guy's a good kid, right? Like this is kind of, you know, you know, this is what's going on in his life and everything. So, um, it's fun. Um, it's, it's a lot though. You know, my wife, my wife teases me all the time because I do the, all these interviews in my office and then, you know, the kitchen is in on, on the other side of the house, but she can hear. And, you know, like she'll be asked, she'll be like, we eat dinner and she'll be like, so what makes you uncomfortable? And I'd be like, so, you know, like, you know, like, what's your worst habit? What's what subject did you not like at marriage? You know, like she'll ask me, she'll start asking me these questions and stuff like that. So, um, but I've enjoyed it. I mean, I've, I've done it for four or five years. My first client was Jason Tatum when he was coming out of Duke. Um, and it's just basically have kind of, kind of built up from there. Do you do the Daryl Morey? How many balls can fit in this room question? No, but I did, I did ask, I did interview a player the other day and, um, he asked me, I asked him like, what do you like to do off the court? And, um, he like, Oh, I like to code. And all of a sudden I thought of Daryl right away. Like, man, I hope this kid interviews for the Sixers because he yeah. would fit in really well. But no, I've asked them, I said, any uh, crazy questions you've gotten? And like, no, how about the, And I said, how about the tennis ball? How many tennis balls can fit in? And I'm like, oh yeah, we did get a question from a, from a team about that. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. Looking back on the trades that the Jazz made in the offseason, the big ones at least, Rudy and yep. Donovan, is this as high as 
the grades are going to come back now at this point because of how things went during the season? Well, I think it could get higher. I mean, I think Walker still has a lot. I mean, he had an all-rookie year, and I think the sky's the limit for him. I really do. I mean, he's going to get better, man. And so that, you know, like I was – um, I did a, a podcast in Minnesota um, during the week, and I said, I think if you gave the, the Timberwolves truth serum and you said, hey, you can have all your draft picks back in, in Walker Kessler, based on what he did this year, I think they would probably say, sign me up for the $3 million guy compared to the 30, nothing against Rudy, but the $36 million guy. So I think that great, you know, what you got in that deal, um, you know, certainly he's the guy primarily the last guy standing, right? Because, you know, uh, Pat Bev and all those other guys, um, you know, uh, Jared and, um, and Beasley um, are all gone and stuff. So, and then, but you, as I said, you've got, we don't know what's going to turn into 16. Shoot. 16 can turn into something really good. All those future ones could, could be a top three or four pick. So there's a lot more upside there. I think for the Cleveland trade, I, the same, I think, yeah, certainly marketing being an all-star, uh, I want to see a full year of, of Colin, certainly Sexton. Abaji, I think, has a lot of upside, too. And then those picks really aren't going to come to fruition until um, 2025, right? 25, 27, 29, and you got some swaps in there. So, no, I mean, if you if you gave them an A for those trades, I mean, there's still room to, to get them you know, up to an A+. I initially was looking at the draft picks in both of those trades, and it's funny that the players now have really become super important whether it's lowry daily double it's a daily double usually it is the draft picks and usually you're waiting four years based on how the trade you know it's almost like um when houston traded harden to brooklyn right like you really don't you don't you didn't have players to show for um you elected not to get to take jared allen and deal he went to cleveland uh old depot was hurt um you know caris lavert went to um indiana so you basically chose the draft pick direction. And certainly that could, could work out for the Rockets based on everything in Brooklyn with the, those, you know, Durant and Kyrie and, and Harden, not there anymore. Um, but you here, you have, you basically have, you know, four, four or five players, you know, players that help your roster significantly. And then you have the draft picks too. Like, so that's like, that's, you know, that's the daily double. If you're moving a franchise players or players, that's kind of what you want because you can, Draft picks are the biggest unknown ever. Like it's like it's great to have trade uh, draft assets, but who knows? You know, pick tw- uh, the 2029 first is like a kid who's seven. Pro- what is he? Eleven right now? Twelve? Yeah, yeah. You well, know? so, and that's why. And I like I always tease people because I, 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 everyone always teases me about the Celtic trade of 2013 stuff, and like you know that it turned into Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and Danny knows. You know about, and I heard Danny's interview. I think he was doing with you know during All Star Week, and like you don't know what those can be, right? Like you, at the time in 2013, Jalen was in like eighth grade, and Jason was in like seventh grade. Like the Celtics did not know they were drafting, and we so if we were if we knew it was going to be those two guys, we wouldn't have traded them. So you don't know what draft picks. You know that's the as I said, it's the great unknown. You just you don't know. You know you hopefully you put yourself in a position to to keep them um, or, you know, maybe you trade them. Um, but, you know, we're still, you know, six, five or six years away from finding out where these picks, what these picks turned into. Well, and has much of a science as you can think that the draft is 
still trying to project performance of young people and how they play. Fultz was the number yeah. one pick that draft, and you you trade out and get your player at three. I mean, there's some luck in here when it comes to those draft picks at the end of the day. Oh, there's a, there's a tremendous, I mean, Giannis at whatever he was, 14 or 15, you know, that pick there. And that's the hard, and that's where I, I met, I, I met with Drew Timmy from Gonzaga the other day. And, um, you know, who's had a great career and, you know, a guy that's, you know, you know, probably a rotational guy in the NBA. And, and what happens in the draft is guys like that get hurt, right? Guys who have been in school three or four years who are can come in and play, but their upside isn't there compared to an 18 year old six, nine wing. Who's a freshman who you think you can mold into that next great all NBA type player here. And that's where the draft like Draymond, you know, where Draymond got picked in this, in the second round by, um, by golden state Desmond Bain in the late, uh, late twenties here. Um, Yo- I mean, Jokic is a little bit different because he was coming from overseas. Um, but, uh, Jalen Brunson, for example, at 32 to Dallas, guys who are more established that teams are willing to bypass in the first round to take a big swing on someone they think that can turn into a, an all-NBA player. It's all fun, and you'll be documenting it, I'm sure, on ESPN, and you can already check out the ESPN offseason guides for all the teams in the NBA, especially the Utah Jazz. He is ESPN front office insider. Bobby Marks on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Bobby, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.